It's your weekly dose of feeling good. Two in URFM's Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart for our sponsor, New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And Dennis Stewart, we've talked about honey quite a bit. And mm. over the years, of course, there's plenty of virtues of honey. Of course. But you've got a little bit of a warning for us today. Jan, I have. Everything I have said about honey is premised on the basis that the honey we're talking about is pure, unadulterated honey. And I'd just like listeners to know that honey is one of the most adulterated foods in the world. And we have to be cautious, therefore, in our purchasing of honey, that we make sure that we get pure Australian-made honey. And, of course, local is always best. Of course. Chris has rung in from Gwandalan. Chris, you've got a question about tinnitus. Yes, yes, good morning. Uh, look, I've, um, unfortunately, approximately about, oh, no, about four years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, and I'm in remission, which is, which is good, great news. Good, good, good. But I'm, I'm sorry, Dennis, I your pardon. Good morning. How are you, Chris? Um, yeah, apart from my having this tinnitus, um, I, I've been doing very well with, uh, post, after the operation of and dealing with the cancer. But uh, for some reason, I've, um, I've developed this tinnitus, um, which is actually, uh, it's really getting on top of me, to be honest with you. And I've tried a number mm. of different things, and I know that it's a, it's a horrible thing that there doesn't seem to be um, a, a cure as such. But in mm. saying that, I haven't really done too much with the herbal side of it. Um, okay. So I was, uh, I was hoping that possibly that you may be able to give me some, okay. uh, some directions in that regard. Chris, I agree with you. Tinnitus is uh, an unpleasant condition and as far as my experience is it's not an easy condition to treat and I think that medically that that viewpoint would be accepted. Um, yes. What I would uh, hope you would have done at this point is at least have seen your GP and if not a specialist just to get the condition clarified that, that, that there is no underlying condition associated with it. Um, in most cases, uh, I won't say most cases, but in many cases there is no obvious uh, lesion there that explains it. Sometimes it can be related to one's exposure to industrial noise. Uh, sometimes it's even just part of getting a little bit older. But on the basis or on the assumption that you have had it at least investigated, um, what I would be suggesting, um, the, the most frequently mentioned uh, natural drug, if you like to call it, because yes. even though it is a herb, it is such a sophisticated preparation of the herb that it probably warrants the name natural drug and I'm not offended by that term and the herb I'm referring to uh, I frequently mentioned on the program is the herb ginkgo biloba yes uh, now let me just explain uh, ginkgo biloba is a tree and it grows very prolifically in um, in Australia particularly along the roadsides and, and avenues um, but years ago years ago it was found that the leaves of the ripe uh, ginkgo, when I say the ripe ginkgo, the leaves that were just about ready to fall when they developed that typical golden yellow colour, that they contained a bracket of very interesting substance essentially known as, uh, as glycosides and flavonoids and they were given a particular name and it was found that in concentration, and I emphasise in concentration, and when the active principles were standardised around a particular level of, say, 24% in any preparation, that suddenly that herb in its sophisticated pharmaceutical form, standardised form, developed um, unusual but definitely um, noticed therapeutic properties. And it's become one of the most popular 
uh, and recognised natural medications or natural drugs, certainly in Europe, where it's used uh, b by a lot of uh, elderly people as part and parcel of a medication to seek to resist some of the ageing syndromes. Interestingly, it's also got uh, documentation pertaining to tinnitus. And I suggest what would be useful for you is to just uh, Google it up, just punch in a ginkgo biloba standardised extract tinnitus and I think yes. you'll be surprised at the amount of support there is there. In fact, in, right. one, in one reference that I have in my rooms, um, the use for it in tinnitus has been so recognised that the European Commission, which has a role in, in acknowledging and recommending and registering herbal medicines, has acknowledged that ginkgo biloba is useful for this condition. But... And uh, this, m many listeners will probably respond to what I've said by saying, oh, I've tried ginkgo and didn't get a result. Let me just say this. If you're going to work with ginkgo for any condition, but in particular for something like tinnitus, you need, number one, to be using the standardised uh, preparation in the stipulated dosage. Now, I emphasise yes. that. It's no use using, in my opinion anyway, uh, non-standardised preparations. And there are things like that around the place, tinctures and fluid extracts, which are minimally representative of the active chemistry of that fascinating tree. So you'll really need to see a health food store retailer that knows a fair amount about it or a pharmacist and yes. ask for a standardised preparation of the ginkgo in the correct dosage that's mentioned in the technical literature. So that's the first principle. Don't fiddle with it. If you're going to use it, use a top-of-the-range, standardised, pharmaceutical-grade product. Secondarily, as I've said earlier, if you're going to use ginkgo for any condition, but indeed for this condition, one must not look for any quick fix. Most of the literature that I've read on it in relationship to this talks about many months before making, yes. being able to make an assessment. And even there, sometimes the benefit that one receives is minimal and not worth the investment, not that ginkgo is expensive. But in your reading on it, you will find those two things mentioned, correct dosage and length of time, but you'll be interested to see also the confidence that's given to it, particularly by the European Commission. Dennis, look, is, would there be a brand in particular you would recommend? Look, most, uh, most ginkgo products in pharmacy and our health food stores today have had to go through the Therapeutic Goods Administration to become listed or registered. So uh, most brands um, would be of a high quality. Again, yes. again, um, I can't mention brands for obvious reasons. No, talk, I understand. Talk, no, talk to your reliable... Um, health food store proprietor and, and let me just say here that we have some of the best educated health food store retailers in Australia as far as I'm consent, convinced in this town uh, so they are well and truly capable of giving good sensible advice but if you want to go further see your local pharmacist uh, yes. who should have that information as well and recommend products that he or she may have used. Dennis, as usual, uh, I really enjoy your program and have done for many years. And, look, I really appreciate the time you've given me and I certainly will be using that um, ginkgo biloba, we'd like you, a doubt. We'd like you to get back to us at some time, Chris, and give us some feedback just to let us know how you're going. Dennis, I guarantee I certainly shall do. Thank and you, Chris. I'll... Nick has rung in. We spoke to Nick from Edgeworth a couple of weeks ago. Is that right, Nick? Yeah. Uh, how you going, Dennis? I oh, spoke well, to you Nick, about... Yes. 
uh, about my daughter, concert yes. posies, and a bed full time. Yes. Uh, you yes. mentioned Slippery Elm, but then you mentioned another um, capsule from a different oh, company. Okay, okay. Well, I'm glad um, I'm glad you've taken on board Slippery Elm because Slippery Elm should, in my opinion, always be a starting base for constipational tendencies because it's a, an ideal form of soluble fibre and has long, long been used in, uh, yeah. in traditional herbal medicine to improve uh, gut functioning. So that's a good start. I've probably mentioned, however, that if um, the slippery almonds isn't doing its job and, and the bowel is particularly lazy, um, there's little preparation called lower bowel stimulant now it's it's an, an encapsulated preparation um it's readily available it's herbal and it's a combination of quite a few herbs all of which would have mild and gentle stimulant effects on the yeah. on the on the musculature that uh, governs yeah. transit time through the bowel i have yeah, i have i have recommended that product for oh many 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 years and I can't think of too many people that haven't had some degree of benefit from it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how your daughter is being managed. Presumably, she has a general practitioner looking after her. Um, yeah. This product is over the counter. That is, one doesn't need a script. But if, if you were to use it, I think the courteous thing and the right thing to do yeah. is to mention it to your daughter's GP, whom I'm sure yeah. will have no problems with it because I can only vouch for the usefulness of the product and I yeah. have never known it to develop any serious side effects. If one were to use it as a complement to the Slippery Elm, one would always start off using it, perhaps it's a lowest dose, which is probably yeah. one capsule prior to going to bed. And the good thing about the preparation is it's based on a number of herbs, all of which have an interesting ability to activate themselves about, after, about eight hours after they have been taken. And this makes yeah. this makes it very useful for people, in as much the taking it prior to going to bed, they can get yeah. a reliable effect in most cases, first thing in the morning. So um, that's a yeah. great, a good little preparation as far as I'm concerned. But again, in your daughter's case, I think yeah. the right thing to do is to mention your use of the slippery arm plus the lower bowel stimulant to your GP. And thanks so much for your call, Nick. It's 29 past 12 to NURFM. Now, Dennis, you've got good news and bad news about I honey. I have, and I'll have to be quick because of the few points we want to get through. In the November edition of the excellent magazine known as the um, Australian uh, Beekeeping Journal, I'm trying to get the exact uh, name for this magnificent uh, journal that I get there sent to me regularly. Uh, I think it's called uh, the Beekeeper. The, the Australian Beekeeper. Yes. And I've, I've, I've had that uh, magazine sent to me, Jane, for years and years and years as a long-standing beekeeper or apiarist, the technical name. And in the November edition of this magnificent uh, journal or magazine, which I recommend to all beekeepers and all interested people, it's Australian produced, there is a lead article... Uh, on the editor's page entitled Honey Adulteration and what they're pointing out and what is stated on page 20 of this uh, magazine in this article that honey is one of the three most adulterated food products in the world. Really? It does. The other two, um, one of them, believe it or not, is, is milk and unfortunately... 
uh, olive oil really? is also yeah. one of the three most adulterated products in the world and honey un uh, unfortunately belongs to that category now this doesn't mean to say let me emphasize this this does not mean to say that this has a bearing on australia yet it's endemic around the world and what it has done is it affect it has affected many countries beekeeping industries because beekeepers in parts of the world that have been getting a good standard of living suddenly find that the price of honey drops and frequently this is associated with uh, companies importing honey from overseas and much of that honey comes from third world countries where standards are not good and where there has been adulteration that has taken place which has allowed that honey to come into these countries be sold from major outlets basically for a song and kill the natural beekeeping industry that's happened in canada and this article explains how it's happened with quite a devastating effect on the canadian uh, beekeeping industry ah but the the editor uh, says this don't think these products will not these problems will not surface in Aus in australia it has already happened so what he's saying here is even though this is not endemic in Australia. It's something we have to guard against and users of honey in particular. And I've said at the beginning of this program, everything that I say about honey's potential for healing and for health is prefaced on the fact that it would be pure, unadulterated, natural products straight from the hive, Australian made and grown and packed from beginning to end. You can't guarantee you can't guarantee efficacy. It's certainly, in my opinion, you can't guarantee efficacy if you are using products where there is doubt about their country of origin. And what I would say to people, if you aren't buying direct from a beekeeper or a beekeeper that's selling his product at the markets in particular, make sure if you're buying Australian honey that you look at the barcode and get evidence from the barcode that it is Australian-made that it is product of Australia and it is grown and packaged in Australia. That's a reasonable indication that what you're looking at is a genuine Australian product. And our supermarkets carry good Australian products. So I'm not knocking the supermarkets, albeit, as you know, Jane, I tend to make sure that the little guys out there that carry the Australian beekeeping industry, the guys with, say, the 20 to 100 hives, uh, I try to make it such that they do well by recommending that these blokes that make their honey from hives in their backyard or from their small properties, that they get a good look in. And I've always emphasised wherever possible, support that level of industry. It's not always possible, and, but therefore from major outlets, supermarkets, etc., make sure that the honey you're purchasing is well labelled. If you have any doubt, ask the people in the outlets, is this genuine Australian honey? I'm sure it would be and I'm not in any way at all casting aspersions on Australian honey at this stage, but the warning is there, and I come back to the point. If we're going to make claims about honey and its therapeutic efficacy, its nutritional virtues, etc., its purity, we need to be on guard against the fact that around the world scams are taking place, and we have a warning here in the November edition of the Australian Beekeeper don't think that these problems will not surface in Australia. We need to be on guard. Things are good at this stage. I'm sure our authorities and industry people 
recognise this and are monitoring it and good for them. We need to be aware of it. And what I'd say is this. Be prepared to pay a reasonably a reasonable price for honey. If you're looking at honey that is very, very, very cheap, I would have reservations about that. I would want to get some clarity on the issue to find out why it is so cheap. In my opinion, it is much better to pay the reasonable price that's in the marketplace for good quality honey and be satisfied that what you're eating and using has not been tampered with, not been heated, not has been not been processed, so that many of those microscopic goodies that are in honey have not been lessened. That's a bit of a rave on honey, but as you know, I'm a passionate, passionate supporter of honey and beekeeping, and I'm a passionate supporter of the Australian industry in this. We need to be aware around the world. Honey is one of the three greatest scams. We are alert to it. Thank God for journals like the Australian Beekeeper. But purchasers of honey need to be also on guard to make sure that they're getting the real McCoy. And we're talking about mouth ulcers today, are we, Coral? That's right, we are. Hello, Coral. Hi, Dennis. Um, Dennis, my five-year-old granddaughter mm-hmm. suffers mouth ulcers really bad. Mm-hmm. I've had it to the GP, they've done a swab of them, and it's come back that there was nothing there. Um, and he said she would grow out of it. But she's five and they're so sore and red-looking. Is she lacking something? Has she had them very long, Carol? Uh, look, probably 12 months. Continually for 12 months? No, no, she'll get one and then it'll clear up. A few days later to a week, she'll get another one. Okay. Look, there's a couple of recommendations for such a little girl what one says is, is fairly limited because it's only a, she's only a, a young child and some of the therapy that I would recommend is more for adult usage. Um, but I'll mention a few things. And again, because she is so young, um, keep her in the ballpark of your GP and let him or her know what I have suggested so that he or she can monitor your daughter. Interest, right. Interestingly, interestingly, what I have found over the years that there is a Blackmore's product that's known as a celloid, C-E-L-L-O-I-D. Now, what is a celloid? A celloid is a particular product that was developed by the founder of Blackmore's many years ago, Morris Blackmore, who developed a system of medicine based on mineral therapy. Mineral therapy in minute dosage. It was based to a large extent on the biochemic ideas of Dr. Schussler, an Austrian physician of the 19th century. The theory being that sometimes conditions we experience indicate a need for a particular one or two minerals. That was the theory that Blackmore developed and it proved to be very successful and generated a whole range of practitioners, naturopathic practitioners, that use that as their main modality and many of us still use it. Now, there is a celloid that is abbreviated PC73. Now, I know this sounds very esoteric and unusual, but it's a code name for the product, which is essentially a minute dosage, believe it or not, of potassium chloride, PC73. Now, I have recommended that to some of the most stubborn uh, experiences of mouth ulcers that I have known, and I have not known too many of them that haven't done okay with it. Now, the good thing about it is... It is inexpensive. 
you would have to see a pharmacist or a practitioner that stocked the range because generally speaking it's not a retail range it would be available from my rooms in New Lambton, but I'm sure that there would be pharmacists and others around your area that would stop the, pl the preparation also. So PC73, and if you uh, want information on it, I, could be, I would happily send you information from my rooms in New Lambton. You just have to ring the number 49562321 and they will copy the information and send it to you. Principle number one. Secondly, I have confidence in vitamin C and bioflavonoids for this condition. Um, I, there is, in my opinion, the, the likelihood that the bioflavonoids, which are always appended by vitamin C, could stimulate a useful anti-inflammatory and anti-ulcerous area. And bioflavonoids, again, are generally harmless and tend to come in, in powdered form or, more, or solid forms. I'd certainly go down the pathway of giving your uh, granddaughter a try on a regular ongoing dosage of the bioflavonoids with vitamin C in, in a powder form. Generally speaking, uh, the powdered preparation um, is flavoured with pineapple or something like that, which is easy to take. And right. thirdly, uh, there are two agents which are popularly used to, to address the active ulcer. One of them is more, uh, how can I call it, perhaps appropriate for adults and has given me good feedback from listeners over many, many years. There is a preparation that some pharmacists would know, particularly older pharmacists, um, known as tincture of myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H. Now, um, uh, myrrh is one of those biblical herbs that goes right back to the birth of the Saviour, but it has a remarkable role also as being specifically indicated as a mouth uh, wash, I emphasise as a mouth wash in a diluted form, for the management of active ulcers. It's specifically indicated in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia for that condition. However, it's a little bit challenging uh, to, right. to, to, for, for, for people to use and I, I would see some difficulty in getting a five-year-old child to use it as a mouthwash. However, however, a fluid extract of licorice. Now, licorice is a medicinal herb and anyone who knows their herbs will know that licorice has remarkable benefits on inflammatory and ulcerous conditions even ulcers of the gut can be very responsive to licorice so discuss with your gp the fluid extract of licorice used as a mouthwash to manage the active ulcer while you give the other two things a try the celloid in the blackmores range pc73 and the use of some powdered bioflavonoids with some vitamin C. Fantastic. Thanks for your call, Coral. And, uh, well, tinnitus is on the, uh, on the mind is. of yes, Deborah as yep. well, who's rung in from Brankston. What would you like to say about tinnitus, Deborah? Yeah, I was just ringing up for the first gentleman that rang up. My husband's got vestibular dysfunction. Yes. And he's had uh, tinnitus for the last six or seven years. Yes. And he's found a ginkgo tablet in the morning. Yes. And he also goes to acupuncture. Yes. And the, and the tin, tinnitus or tinnitus has, has come down 50%. Oh, well since, done. Since the acupuncture and the, the giddiness um, and the clear-headedness, yes. he attributes that to the ginkgo. Well, well done. That's a that's great feedback, uh, Deborah. Because yep. uh, you're talking to someone who was one of the first to practice acupuncture in this town. That goes back a very long period of time, and well, I, I have no doubt in the efficacy of the acupuncture therapy 
to address conditions like this, but as you would know, frequently uh, the acupuncturist will recommend uh, herbal medicine and the uh, recommendation of the ginkgo couldn't be a better recommendation. Put the two together yep. and, you, and you've broken the back of our discussion. Deborah, well, well done. Well, <laughs> our, our um, acupuncture is yeah. also a GP. Well, there you go. So there we've you got go. everything covered. You've got so everything. I just thought I'd let that gentleman I th- know. I think that's great. You know, when I started acupuncture way back in 72, I think was the first time I started practicing. I studied in Sydney, believe it or not, while I was practicing as an engineer. I used to go out to Bondi Junction a couple of nights a week and study with a, a Chinese gentleman there. But when I first started practicing acupuncture, it was considered medically to be mumbo jumbo. It was you would be laughed at. How can sticking a needle anywhere have any therapeutic effect? <laughs> uh, now, of course, there's an t- entirely different attitude to it. And uh, interestingly, with with acupuncture some of the best textbooks in the English language have been written by British, particularly British, medical practitioners who spearheaded, in my opinion, the medical acceptance of acupuncture. You've got a good GP. Hang in there. That is great. Thanks for your comments, Deborah, and that's uh, really good news. Uh, it's 2NURFM's Health Naturally, and uh, coming up in just a moment, we'll talk to Bill about honey, and uh, we've got Steve on the line as well waiting. Mm-hmm. But first of all, uh, one of the carols by candlelight, many of those sessions coming up. Do you like singing a carol or two, Dennis? Oh, look, I love carols, and I'm a bit disappointed that they seem to be drifting into the background I'm a great traditionalist when it comes to things like that so yes where would Christmas be without carols Honey has been the topic today and as well as your topics and we are going to Bill from Patterson and you've got something to say about Honey Bill Yes I have Hello Bill Hi Dennis I am a 62 year old man when I was 12 my father was the general manager of the head office of a major um, food uh, <clears throat> processing company uh, in Haymarket in Sydney. Yes. I went to school, uh, sorry, to work with him one day. We were looking at honey, and he told me that there were 52 different adulterative um, agents added to it. Dear, dear. That was 50. Years ago. 50 years ago. Good grief. Whether that has changed or not, I do not know, but I would never buy um, uh, supermarket honey. I would only ever buy it from a, uh, an independent producer. A grower that has his stuff on his property and can vouch that's, for it. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Look, my comment, Bill, would be that I think it would be unlikely that that situation would still be prevailing because standards have changed. To be fair on this topic, standards have changed and there are measures now that would make such a thing, I would think, more difficult. I I would be confident in saying that it would be not likely that that would be happening today because of labelling requirements, Pure Health uh, Food Act requirements, etc. But I take on board what you've said and I take on board what the, uh, the editor of this magazine said who said, don't think it can't happen here. And, of course, it's another underlining thing that we should Correct. just take care, read the label. Wasn't that good, though, to hear Bill say, look, uh, it's, the, it's the guy that actually produces yes. and sells. They're the people. They're the people. And, I, and look, I'm, again, I'm not in any way at all knocking the conventional outset, uh, outlets. They've got good honey. But if you've got a bloke 
that's producing his honey from his own hives, sometimes in his own backyard, and keeping the neighbours happy by giving them a few jars. Well, you know you're getting the dinky dye stuff. And there aren't going to be too many additives there, are there? And honey is the topic that Steve's rung in with from Curry Curry. Hello, Steve. What would you like to say about honey? Yeah, hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm good, Steve. That's good. I've got a bit of a gardening twist towards the, um, the honey. You, yes. You, you spoke about the, um, you know, the benefits of, yes. of eating it and yes. using it. I went to um, a nursery just on the left-hand side going into Cessnock, CC. Yes. And, yes, I, um, I know the lady that runs it. She's a lovely, delightful lady. She, yes. She's a darling. She is indeed. Anyway, I wanted to... Um, like some rosemary plants. I had a, yes. uh, a big rosemary yes. plant out the back. Yes. And she said, oh, see, she said, just take off the bottom and, and scrape back the bottom stem and put some honey in the palm of your hand, roll it and then put it straight in the ground. Dennis, I had 20 strikes out of 20. Isn't that incredible? Yes. Us using honey as a, a proliferating, a growth proliferant. Absolutely, yeah. and um, she said as far as rooting compound, she said don't even think about it. Yeah, you know, that lady, and I know her well because uh, she's got a, a small nursery there, she oh. struggles, she's delightful, I spend yeah. some time talking to her, she's had some recent grief in her life, but yeah. she's a very, very skilful, uh, she knows a lot about her plants, and she's very genuine. Uh, I mean, her prices are very, very genuine indeed. And, I go back there all the time. Yeah, well, look, uh, it gets back to my viewpoint. Wherever possible, try to support the battler. And she's got a small nursery. I know it's just opposite the, uh, the, uh, the, the school there as you come into Cessnock. Uh, she deserves our support. And that bit of advice she gave you on, on dipping um, cuttings into honey and putting them in the ground, I've heard of that before, but you're the first one that's rung in and reiterated that it does work. Honey is a wonderful product, <laughs> yes, isn't it? <laughs> now, uh, mouth ulcers, we've talked about yeah, those yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, earlier yeah, too. Yeah. And Tim has rung in as well. Your son's had problems with mouth ulcers, Tim. Uh, yeah, I just heard him, Dennis. G'day, Dennis. Hello, Tim. Uh, Good. I just heard him talking about that before, but um, my son uh, had him, as I said, and had him for a while, and we couldn't seem to sort it out. And then I discovered that on his, he was brushing his teeth and using a cup to rinse his mouth, okay. this plastic cup, and yeah. I discovered it had mould around the rim. Okay. And I got through the cup out, and that seemed to solve it. So, okay. You know, it's, it helped him. Yeah. <laughs> well, there could be something in that. Um, something but, but as simple as that. Basically, was, basically, what you're saying is, be, um, look, look at mouth hygiene. There might be something mm. that's been carried over into the mouth from something as simple as using yeah, the same just, cup for too long. I just thought I'd share that with that. I think it was a lady that rang before yeah, about good it. Good on you, Tim. Yeah. We, we appreciate you for ringing in, uh, Tim. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks no very much for your call. Now, we've just got time, Dennis, to have a little mm. chat about a, a special course. Oh, it's... look, I think this is great, and I'll be very quick because time's got away on us. But there's been a, a gap, in my opinion, in, in, the, in beekeeping in as much that it hasn't been that easy to formally study it. Interestingly, the New South Wales Agri-Food Industry Training Advisory Body was successful in obtaining the Cert Three in beekeeping on the New South Wales Government Smart and Skilled List. As a result of this, the qualification is now heavily subsidised by industry and is also now available as a school-based traineeship free of charge. What this means now, for the first time, 
that the qualification is available to high school students in New South Wales and potentially Australia. This will allow high school students to do the Cert 3 in beekeeping as part of their higher school certificate That's as well amazing, as work with the beekeeper while at school. That is a huge breakthrough. And look, I know time's gone, but yeah. a, lot of this is, a lot of this is owed to the sterling work of a lady called Melissa Wertman of the New South Wales, uh, New South Wales Government Agri-Food um, Industry or, or Concern. She has worked like you wouldn't believe. I've spoken to the woman uh, personally. If all public servants were as enthusiastic as this lady, you wouldn't be able to hold this country back. She's got it up and running. And if, Melissa, if you're listening to this, well done. And for listeners out there who are interested in the Cert 3 course in beekeeping, available now even as, as a subject for the high school certificate. Melissa can be contacted, Jane, can she not? On Yes, indeed. Um, her phone number is 0421 830 056 or you can also email her, melissa at nswagrifoodiTab. That's the industry body, .com.au. And... If you find that hard to remember, you can also take a look at the 2NURFM.com website because it's on the Health Naturally page and it's also on the phone app. So you can check out those details. That's great, isn't it? That is fantastic. That's exciting. And we do have two Stiff Sore and Sorry packs to give away today to two lucky callers. One is Chris from Gwondolin and the other is Carol from Cameron Park. And if you'd like to go to Dennis's rooms in New Lambton, then you'll be able to pick those up. well, from this afternoon, mm, of course, your stiff, of sore course. and sorry pack. And health naturally. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. We had a wonderful time today. That was a very enjoyable program. And great um, topics. Uh, and great topics. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back next Friday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.